The Rant. Meet Christina and Eric. The experts in the fields of architectural design, pre-construction, construction management, fine cabinetry. The Rant, a podcast by One York Company. Got... Your hands are the size of my head, so that's yeah. not fair. It's like you I've got more surface that. area. Yeah. To... He's got more clap. <laughs> <laughs> I got the first one in. Look at that. Um, okay. What, uh, what, are we going to get the episode right this time? What is it? Episode 10? 11. 11? Yeah. I think. I say that very confidently, but I'm pretty well, sure. Last time we fucked this up pretty hard. Yeah, because I said eight, and the no, video the said we... nine, bro, and then so that would have made last one ten. You made for a good Instagram post because then like, <laughs> that's Jeff. You're actually dumb. <laughs> no, that's Jeff Harvey Homes and Interiors. We have to have an intro. No one. Hi, gonna... Jeff. Everyone's gonna be like, okay, first, first, okay, oh. come on, <laughs> Jeff Harvey Homes and Interiors. Can you give yourself a quick little bio here? Thank you, Eric. My name is Jeff Harvey. Harvey Homes and Interiors, contractor, builder extraordinaire. This self, is true. Self-proclaimed. Yes. Well, not so self-proclaimed. You have quite the following on, on socials. People know you. That's how I found out about you. I passed you in the YMCA. Remember that? That was yeah. our magic moment. We were, right. I was like, I don't know, wrangling one of my four fucking monsters. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where the bromance started. It was, actually, yeah. I called Christine like right after. I'm like, oh, I'm at Jeff Harvey. It was like insta-shock. <laughs> I, said, I was Ooh. like... <laughs> yeah. Well. I don't know who came up to who, but I, I do pride myself in going out of my way when I see someone in real life. Struggling with four Instagram. kids? But, oh. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. Somebody, no, no. let me help you out here. I, I avoid that at all costs. No, if I if I see someone I recognize, let's uh, interact and let's 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 be social. Yes, I completely agree. Honestly, it's one of those moments where it's like you don't know when you never know when you're gonna get the opportunity to say hello to somebody. And I always feel like it's like you know, when you meet somebody like at a fancy party and you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. Like I, when I walked up to like Brad Bradford, the local counselor, and just gave him shit at like Sunset Grill one day. Cause I'm like, cool. cause he was running for mayor and I'm like, ah, when am I ever gonna get this chance again? So I like walked right up to his table and gave, like, gave him a little bit of like, this is what I do. We're right around the corner from you. Then he knows. Also you're shitty. Well, then he, then he never followed up with me and then lost the mayoral race, but that's, that's his problem. Um, what was I talking about? Yeah, YMCA. So yeah, that's how we met. Uh, yep. That was like not that long ago, six six months ago, a year ago. What was that now? Six yeah, months? I'd say just over six months ago. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so um, and after that, we started chatting about how we could potentially work together. And so we've started embarking on working together on a few projects as our companies are evolving. And it's just another great opportunity to kind of like start bringing people from the industry into, onto the show so that we can kind of expand the boundaries You're of Eric's our conversation. First to Jeff. Oh my god! He's no. your first too. This is, now this is weird. I just you just made it weird. Why are you gonna make it weird? It, it, I did. You did. You're yeah. the. You started saying about the first and shit, but I gave him the clap. So. Well, let me start by. <laughs> <laughs> so there we Better go. Better you than me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all got it. Let me compliment you guys. You know, uh, when I first started following you before we met, you guys have a great social media presence. Uh, you definitely are a company to watch. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, through social media, you're very engaging. The takeaways are incredible. Thank you. And then, of course, like this podcast, this amazing mm. rant podcast. You guys are doing a great job. I'm honored. Yeah. And Thank feel you. very pliv- privileged to be here Thank as you. your first guest. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's fun because it's kind of scary because we, I mean, I want this to, I want to be able mm. to expand this to, you know, people who are in the industry, who are builders, people who are in the trades, people who are on the, um, you know, 
people who are on the regulatory bodies want to expand it to the city of Toronto because we need to expand the dialogue around uh, mm -hmm. what we're doing as a unique thing. I mean, like I said, a million times, there's a million houses in the city of Toronto that um, need substantial renovation and there isn't training for it. And there, it's only kind of trial by trial and error learning. It's like, I came at this as like a second career. And the only way I know how to do it is because I just tried and beat my head against the wall and kind of found out where the shit is. And now I've learned not to step at those places. Um, but there isn't any formal training. You go to school, George Brown, there isn't a program specifically for the renovation of older homes in the tactical way and how to do it. We had this conversation, like when we were talking about how we're going to build out the courses for our staff, and we're going to build out mm -hmm. project management, um, and then the pre-construction specialist um, programs for our own staff, it's like there's buckets and bridges or buildings and bridges in terms of information. It's like the information within the bucket of each topic of like, you know, say building a house, it's like trade specific, like how to frame a house and then how to do plumbing and then how to do electrical. That's one type of information and those are the buckets. And then there's the bridges, it's like between the trades and that's what we're missing. It's like, how do you manage the trades? How do you manage the transition between the tile guy and the plumber? Like, who sets the elevation of the drain? Who makes sure that that guy has all of his tile on site? And somebody make sure there's some fucking water. <laughs> <laughs> like, is there a hose bib, right? It's like, that's the kind of shit. It's like, it's the in-between <clears throat> things that are that we need to keep it our, our eye on. And it's like, I think that's just an interesting part of our industry that's kind of missing. Because you go to school and you may learn about construction science, but it doesn't tell you how to apply it, which is a different thing. Sure. I mean, like, you know... Um, before we jump into, you know, how to be a good contractor, I mean, you guys are doing a great job at educating the consumers. I haven't seen that. Um, I see on social media amazing contractors, amazing, amazing trade companies showcasing their work, what they do, what mm -hmm. they bring to the table. But, like, the consumer, who's talking to them? Who's educating them? You guys, your guys' takeaways are fantastic. There are lots of podcasts on talking about, you know, technical details, how to do this, how to do that. But, like, talk to the consumer. You are guys are building trust, not just for yourselves from the consumer, but like within the industry. I really, really appreciate that. So, you know, coming back away from that, like, yeah, I mean, there are um, a lot of details as a contractor, these in-between things you're talking about, but like you guys, your edge right now is really educating the consumers. Right. I love that. Yeah. And, and I think that's the future. And, and that's something we were chatting about before we started the show. It's that like, you know, our, our clients are changing, Right. Our clients are more knowledgeable and they can absorb more information and they want to be more involved in the process of designing their home. And so they need more attention. And so we know we talked about this, the jack of all trades of like, you know, maybe 30 mm -hmm. or 50 years ago, there was one role as a general contractor who handled the client and they did everything. They like, you know, they did the drywall work, they did the framing, they, you know, managed the client, they went home, they did all the accounting work, you know, they did all that kind of stuff. They helped them with selections and whatever. But now it's like, okay, well, we have a more we have clients with higher expectations, and so we need to kind of bifurcate that responsibility. We need to say, okay, well, look, Jeff, like I'll take care of the clients and manage them and manage their expectations, and you know, get them through the decision making process and align their resources with you know the what we need for communication to the trades, and then you manage the trades because it's like it's way too much for any one person. Just like the breadth of information that you have to be good at and understand to do this whole thing well is so challenging because well, it's like not I only is it wide, it's deep. This, <laughs> uh, my sex tape. There we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, I mean, the thing is, is that, yeah, they want to be educated because they're spending a ridiculous amount of money. Right. And, you know, they have the exposure to the resources to be more knowledgeable at a baseline, mm -hmm. which is great. But it also aligns with what we're doing because the people that 
want to know, they understand. Like there's value in explaining to them. So there's value in them understanding the technical complexity of what we do because then they they appreciate it. They can justify the spend because they understand it's not HGTV. It's not snap your fingers and it's done. It's not like it's just super simple and it's five steps. Like most people's heads would explode if they had to do what a contractor, had, like a GC has to do in a day to manage that many people and know that many buckets that well to that degree and be able to manage the handoffs and the people and the emotional parts and all those things. Like most people are not conditioned to do that. And so in giving them a glimpse of what that takes and educating them, they can see that it's well worth the spend to plan, to invest in good trades, to invest in, you know, a good team to be by your side throughout it, right? Like it's not like us and them. It's like we're doing this together and it's like that Wizard of Oz down the friggin' yellow brick road. Oh my God, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the consumer today, people want to be educated. They want to learn more. Mm -hmm. More than ever with the internet, with social media, we are Mm -hmm. just content consumers. And so there is a need, like people love learning right now, which is really cool. So, you know, we have the Gen Z, the young 20s year olds, we have the millennials, we've got the Gen X. I'd say across the board, people are enjoying learning, consuming outside of what they do with with parenting, with their own jobs. They love to learn. So when they're embarking on a massive renovation, they are wanting to learn more than they ever have before. It's not just, you know, here's the quote, pass it off, carte blanche, And I think, too, part of that is in, in the learning because the intent, and I think that sometimes this is explicit and sometimes it's not, but the intent is that there will be another property that there will be another investment. So it's like they're they're just set up for success for the next one because they're taking in all the information that they can because the intention is to ha- to build wealth and to have, you know, equity in multiple properties. And Got this is just the first of something as they get out of the gate. Or, you know, so they're like, yes, teach me. Teach me so that I'm better prepared for the next, even if it goes yep. well with your contractor. Yep. But if it doesn't, then, you know, you're better set up to make different decisions, maybe in a better capacity next time, right? Like... What you said kind of struck me, and it's like I wrote passive consumerism. There's less passive consumerism because I think that everybody's life is kind of more on display, like with social media and like everyone has a kind of like this window into your life through your personal accounts or your business account. So kind of every action that you mm-hmm. take in your life is kind of a little bit more judged, right? Because more people have eyes on the situation. And so the quality of your decisions then are kind of, you know, rated by the people who have that window into your life so it's like it's important for you and your decision making to kind of affect your status in a positive way and with something as important as building your house you need to not look like a fucking idiot because that's why a lot of people get away with bad gcs get away with it because it's like you they don't people don't want to talk about their bad experiences with general contractors because they look like they're bad investors Mm -hmm. it's like if you invested in like Bitcoin right before it crashed or like whatever. Like you don't want to be like, like, hey, look, I bought all that shit. That was me. (laughs) No one does that, right? Everyone's the only one to talk about your wins. No one goes to the fucking casino Um, and like, you know, strikes out and then tells all their friends. That's the same thing with bad GCs. So it's like when it's going well, you hear really you hear a lot about it. When it's not going well, you hear nothing. Right. How many of your friends still have a board ape as their their as their what? Their their that that um what are they called? Board A? Board ape. Those those right. NFTs as oh, their right. yes. profile picture. Yes, I know exactly. Those are gone. <laughs> Nobody anymore. Whoever that asshole was, like, I spent eight hundred thousand dollars on this. It's like you fool. Yeah, yeah. It's like purple and green. And, and at shit. the same time, like people don't want to be labeled as a as a shitty investor. But like in the simplest form, like you know, when when their project's done and it's beautiful, no matter the process, they have to be proud of it because they just spent a lot of money. 
and they will be judged by their friends on their stair choice, their color choice. Right. But I find people now throughout the process are educating themselves and basically preparing themselves for those conversations at their dinner party when their close friend or family member says, why'd you choose that? Because of this. Well, and yes. that's, that's something lo- we've always said too, is because it's like, if you're, you're going to spend a lot of money and people will be like, well, that wasn't worth it. Like everybody's got an opinion, right? Because their renovation that they did was different than they did it 15 years ago. And yeah. like, that seems absurd to spend, but it's like, if you're educated, you can speak intelligently to the, like the technical part. And then they're instantly over their head and they're like, oh, you know what? And, th- and that conversation drops and you come out, yeah. you know, being able to stand behind your decision and not waffle and not, not no right and you made a point about like you know i'd say in the past people bought their forever house on their first house or they mm-hmm. might they might have two or three over the course of their lifetime i think now millennials we didn't invent it but now we are heavily investing in real estate so we are doing multiple projects we want to be educated gen z's i think have the intention to have this be you know either their well I don't think that any Gen Z can have a sole source of income. And I think millennials need to really change their thinking. And we have to have multiple sources of income to sustain a lifestyle right. that we want and envision and, and frankly feel like we deserve. So that's t- there's, two, <laughs> there's two parts to that. One is I feel like in our industry or in our culture, there is... There's a lot of um, there's a lot of attention on the fact that like home ownership and property ownership is a source of building wealth, and like I feel like that's just like something that's like propagated throughout Instagram and social media. It's like, you know, I bought this rental property. It's the guy who shows up in his Bentley and he's like, create this, and then the, all your rentals, and like, I made all this money before I'm the age of 25. Fuck off. Okay, you know, like it's crazy. I get it. And you want to invest in real estate, but it's like it's a hard game, and real estate is, is a difficult thing. And anybody who says they bought their house in Toronto and they're our age and they didn't have family support, I mean, like that is like probably like 10 percent. <laughs> Yeah, you're fucking <laughs> exactly. It's like you someone helped you along the way because it's Absolutely. like it's fucking expensive. So either that or you're selling your feet on the internet. But, but <laughs> I hate. But hey, fuck it, whatever could, it I takes. Might. Like you know what I mean. Like I'd sell my feet if people would pay me. Yeah, like, I have oh. a pedicure later. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I will like, listen. We will start Christina's feet podcast after this. Yeah. it's like it'll just be the sound of your toes wiggling. It's called feet finder. Ew, ew. ew. Yeah. I don't know why I just said those words. Uh, I'm so grossed uh, out even what I just said. Yeah, yeah but if it makes money, whatever. But I'm point is this is that like the point is that the fact that like um so you building your building your wealth through real estate investment is something that is popular in terms of an idea of making money second part to that is that like you're if you think that in 15 20 years or our kids are going to be able to like buy a home like if it was difficult for us in our generation imagine how difficult it's going to be for the next generation it's going to be like new york city like you can't buy a house in new york city proper like there's no way it's all bought up i so can it's tell like, you that my we are on the uptick right now it's like if you can get in get in my youngest at eight had a plan where they were going to buy a house and always have a second suite like there was there was an investment mindset at eight and right. was like how do I do this how do I whatever you right. know now if you ask them they're like I'm gonna just like move to some remote province in France probably and live on a farm <laughs> like I've got nothing like it's yeah. so funny but from such a little age they're ingrained to be like observing what's going on around it so my sister is very you know she's got a property portfolio and she's very uh, investment minded and things like that and it's like they pick up that but that from out of the gate like her generation is 
is now like that's what that's the only way to do it. She's yeah, like, I don't know. What if I don't want a husband? What if I don't want a wife? What if I don't want this thing? Like, how am I going to do this by myself? There's a lot of cultures around the world that you know use investment based on the amount of kids they have. And so, for example, like it might be up to mom and dad to provide a first home for each offspring. Mm. And so, I think that's a cool mindset now to like bring it here to you know, the Western world. And I mean, it's a really cool way to sort of set yourself up as the bigger picture. Um, yeah, that's I, my sister's plan. She told us not to have any more kids because she intends on buying each oh, of her nieces nice. and nephews a house. And I was like, excellent. Thank you for alleviating that spread, burden. At the bottom of her spread, she's like, we're at the max. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. it. She's like, you that's each it. have two. Like, that's it. Like, no more kids. I've got 27 more years of work. Like, that's all I can do. Yeah, she's like, or she's like, whatever, whoever has the fifth one is like, that one doesn't get it. No, that's yeah. it. We draw names out of the hat. That's it. The other one, it's you're a fucked. lottery at that point. Yeah. Or just, like, just whoever I don't like. <laughs> uh, it's like the a balanced scorecard approach. Favorite niece or nephew gets like that's you got it. a car. That's These it. guys got a house. Yeah. You get a car. You get a car. <laughs> like Oprah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're, what was I going to talk about next? So, um, despite. You made, you made a comment about saying that, like, people may choose different lifestyles. Like, you don't need a husband. You don't need a wife. You don't need to have a career. You can have multiple multiple sources of income, blah, 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 blah. Here, here's the truth. The truth is, no matter what lifestyle choices you have, one thing is one thing is consistent across the board. Is people, shit's expensive. Shit's expensive, and people <laughs> are more discerning. People are more discerning about the choices that they make because they have to internally justify and externally justify the decision making around their own investment because it's more on display. And so that forces people like us who sell something complicated and variable to show evidence-based pricing, which is something that just wasn't a case like 15 years ago. Like I, I can tell you that like when my grandparents renovated their house originally, it was done with like Jim Bob and Jim Bob shook their hand and said, I'll take care of you. And then they basically just like sorted it out along the way where it's like now like we go through like four budget updates, quantity takeoff, measured areas. It's like we have to really prove that we know what we're talking about, which makes our job more complicated and then reinforces the whole concept of the bifurcation of responsibility getting more and more kind of granular or pixelated in terms of what our deliverables are to our clients, right? So it's just like, I, I just- My favorite is proving that we know what we're talking about oh, and yeah. all of that, and then them still question you. What my favorite is is when I talk to people and they have fucking estimates from bad general contractors and I look at their estimates and it's like, I want to vomit. It's like, oh my God. Like, fuck, if I could just do that. It's like, I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't believe you signed that shit. Yeah. There are some people where I speak to them and it's like I, like, I look at other people's estimates and like they're like, here's the difference. Let's talk very quickly on, on stipulated price versus cost plus, and there's a big difference between those two things in terms of like stipulated prices. Like you hire a plumber, and then you sell the plumber to your client for you know you say you, the plumber costs ten, and then you sell it to twelve, and you mark it up twenty percent. And there's cost plus. We're drifting towards cost plus. Cost plus is far more difficult to implement from an accounting perspective. Just fuck it. Christina's like rolling her head because oh. yeah, it's like we that was like that was the first year and a half of us working together was how are we going to do this effectively cost right? plus and, yeah it's really and I not feel like suffocating cost, the accounting cost plus is reserved for the final decade of a really good general contractor's business yeah. that's when that's when people are knocking at your door they're willing to wait three years for your services mm -hmm. and you are cost plus we started as cost plus very difficult because you yes. are just grinding it out trying to you know take on jobs yeah. you've got you've got jobs you love you've got filler jobs you've got you know i call them billables right where you just need to pay the bills yeah. and it's like 
plus all of the accounting is it's, it's way too much. Yeah, but the thing is, is it's easier to justify to say like, listen, like I this is the best that we're gonna get. Like here, here are the estimates. Yeah. Here are the things. Here, but, oh, I got the mic shift. You know, the the I've never done cost plus, and it's because I see too oh. many contentious relationships between consumer and contractor over refrigerator. Ah, they decide at the last minute as you know we're designing the kitchen that let's just say we're gonna take our four thousand um, dollar budget for the refrigerator and we're gonna do a wolf we're gonna go 17 right well add 15 20 percent why you know the original budget was here why do I have to pay more for that I don't, I don't feel that so I think that's eliminated so because that's, we do all the planning ahead right so no, like I know when we build just in general you, that cost plus uh, I hate the model I just see really? it I, I yeah I think it's like so difficult it is difficult, but that's not the reason to hate it. I mean, look, like <laughs> uh, true, it, but true. Like, no, I didn't. That, it's that kind didn't, of a that reason didn't, to hate it. That that like it's hard. <laughs> uh, name of my sex. Tape. I was gonna say I love yep. things that are hard, but that would be I, fucking even worse. Also, but name I do. Of my sex difficult. Tape. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, my parents watched this. <laughs> I know. My, my mother was downstairs listening to us one time, and she's like, when we stopped, she was like. That it was. I don't know what she said. She's like, I, I heard every word of that. Eric goes, Oh shit! We're downstairs, and he yeah. was like, he instantly. It was like yeah. a seventeen-year-old boy whose mom walked in the room while he was like half dressed, or you know what I mean. Yeah. He was like yeah. In, yeah. immediately disarmed. Only a sock on. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> here's here's why I don't like it, Eric. You know, you know, especially like starting with it. Yeah. Pick your battles. So right. now you know we you've got you've just got to you know uh, it's a difficult business to be in. Right. I think, you know, because you have to wear so many hats. You have to have tight miters. You have to have crisp paint lines. You have to have accounting skills. You have to have people managing skills. There's just a lot. You have project management skills. Right. So it's like when we're going to fight over or when I hear about fights over like, you know, upgrading an appliance package and it's like, well, you know, I, I feel like you should give on that because, you know, it's just an appliance package and then the contractor's like, well, I'm liable for it. I'm responsible for it while it's on site. If it gets damaged, yada, 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 that's more intricate. Pick your battles because at the end of the day, that contractor at the beginning of their career loves the fact that there's going to be, you know, red knobs that they can post on Instagram being like, mm -hmm. look what we do. Look what my brand is all about. So, you know, pick your battles. I think that that's really, that's a really fair statement. Pick your battles because ultimately like everyone, everybody's kind of way that they approach executing their business is a reflection of their skill sets, right? Like you will drift toward pathways of applying your skills in different ways based upon your natural skill set. So it's like what I'm good at inherently and what you're good at inherently are different. And it's like, it's amazing because if you look at like, I, I pride myself on the, on the ability to kind of like work with people and try to explain things as I see them. Like that's what I'm kind of good at. And I can pick up new information and I can kind of digest it and then pass that information on you are as long as it happens quickly <laughs> yeah yeah it has to be at a pace but you're you're a technician like you get yeah. things done and you can like you, you're on the more tactical side of building a home and so your way of delivering value and that value exchange to your client is through the lens of being tactical so it's it's like less important for you to do the but it's cost plus and it's more stipulated price because you're on you're so connected to the work being done whereas for me it's like i don't 
I can't do anything. Like I don't own tools. In because theory, it's like, in theory, this is what we have to do. Right. Practicality, <laughs> you know, this is right. what has to be done. Right. So on the theory level of it, I love the cost plus because it's like, look, like this is it's time and materials. I'm going to show you everything that I'm considering. It's every nth detail of like this many linear feet of trim, square foot of drywall, number of screws per sheet, number of like the, like the roll of tape and how many we're using. These are my considerations. So if my assumptions fail, <laughs> then I can point out where this fails where you're coming at this from the experience of like actually doing it. And so it lends to two different models. And it's frank, it, frankly, I don't, I never even really thought about it like that until you just kind of said it. Cause I didn't really even ask you before we started, like you, I didn't even know that you do fixed price contracting versus uh, cost plus. But I think that, that we find it good because of our personalities. Like you and I are like hard type A, you know what I mean? Like the details are like, everything is about the details and we naturally dive into that like 18th layer of detail and right. so providing that to somebody seems natural to us because so you, it's like that's how we think that's so, how we function and hey, that's so where our you, comfort zone is this is a whereas question. that's not inherent for do other people do you think that personality type would lend itself better or worse to one way delivery method do you think that 100%. so type a personality is like sure. cost plus type b personality is like stipulated price yeah oh my god i don't know why yeah, i'm so I'd fucking so. stupid that makes so much more sense it's like, that's why it comes naturally to us yeah. because it's like, we need to think through that. Like if somebody said, so for example, my Julie, I asked my like kid about school supplies and she said, I need a pen and paper. And I was like, okay, what kind of pen? I was like, what, like how thin, what mm. color, how many, uh, do you want a cap that's removed? Do you want it to click? Like, and, and nobody else. And like, there was 19 follow-up questions to this kid's three item list for school supplies. And the only other person I know that would go through that level of detail would be Eric. Like mm. he's the person I could send to the store who would have asked the same questions, mm -hmm. but that's natural to us and it's not natural to other people. Mm -hmm. And so other people sure, are more I'd inclined say, to check be check the kitchen drawer. Yeah, no. like, yeah, see, that I, okay, no. here, here's a pen, like whatever, so, right? Like, I don't like the fact that's why that, I'm not like, married anymore. My ex husband's like, oh, I have the drawer <laughs> somewhere. Let me, let me give you an example is that I almost started a new textbook when I lost the pen that I that I got to about here in. Like, there's that new pen, and I almost I'm really actually considering removing these I pages because I can't because I, like I can't have the pen be different than the first <laughs> bit. I don't know how many times our staff has seen me pick up a pen. Like I write with like a micro fine pen that, and like yeah. the staff will like if I pick up somebody else's pen because they all look the same and I'm like, I'll take one. I'm like, no, like, where is but my you, pen? Like, this, I can't do it. This is why you guys, what you have as One York lends so well to educating the consumers because like you are selling pre-construction. Right. You, you know, someone can come to you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, hire you to basically take their project, their wants, their needs, you know, their conditions of their site, their home, whatever, and basically plan it out, give them all the variables, all the cost implications, the comparisons, the proof, the facts, and then say, yeah, go shop and get someone to build it. Because, like, I've just educated you on everything you need to know on your project. But also for other builders who don't have, like, if you just want to build, like, you want to be on the tools, you want to be, like, that's your wheelhouse, and that's where you see the value is seeing everything come together and that high-quality finish and all those things. But you don't have the capacity to be able to do the planning to that degree, right? So yeah. it becomes more time-consuming, more labor-intensive to take on that piece. It's very difficult. That's like, you know, that's I'll do the things point. you don't like to do, and you do the things that I don't like I to do. I would say a lot of contractors' weak points are that. And it, you know, it's coming like, I'm not going to say, I don't, I wouldn't fall into, I'm not good at managing expectations, but you know what? It's, it's difficult for me and a lot of others to really make people, you know, understand what they're going to get and how we're going to get there.
Yeah. Outside of saying, trust me, we got this. This but, is my track record. But you're a trustable person, so it works because the, essentially that's that's what makes that work. Is that if you don't do the cost plus, then you just have to make sure it feels right. People still fucking make decisions. You have to be magnetic 100%. as fuck because people, like yeah, <laughs> people people still make decisions, make these big decisions emotionally, and then justify them with logic. They don't make big decisions with no. logic and then justify them with emotion. Like no one buys a fucking Ferrari because it was a good deal. People buy a Ferrari because they fucking want a Ferrari, and then they have to justify it to their friends and family, like, oh, it was a limited edition yeah. Barbarossa something, something. Yeah, and I'll admit, like, a lot of my customers that come to me direct are, they trust me. Right. I, you know, I know I'm magnetic, but, like, I can also say, I know I have a track record. Right. I know I'm, you know, when I say I can do something, it's because I've either done it or I know I can. There's accountability. Right. And, like, in this industry, it lacks a lot of that. And there's a confidence there too, right? Like people, I think to, to some degree, experience. people, yeah, people can tell when you're being genuine about like your confidence level, about yeah. whatever, like you can see it in the way that the conversation goes, that that person really is confident that yeah. they are, yes, but, they're well situated in that But arena. if you're going to draw overlapping circles here, there are people who are incredibly confident that are also con men. And that's yes. probably another issue in this industry is that like, there, there are a huge amount of like, okay, or stupid here, here, enough to I'm think gonna, they know what they're doing. I'm going to draw some lines in the sand here. Oh. Are type A personalities more more susceptible to uh, persuasion than type B personalities without justification and proof? Like, I would require... That's how we started. Like, I started in this industry because when someone told me it was like a laundry list of items for the renovation of my, my grandparents' house and it was $400,000, I was like, show me how you got there. And, they, and then when they couldn't justify Great it to question. my extent, I was like, mm, I don't, I'm not doing it. And then I literally just couldn't find anybody else to give me a number the way I wanted to see it. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm doing it myself. And that's how it's, this all, this, how this whole fucking thing started was there. Some people would just say yes and say that's okay, right? Is that because I'm a type A personality or is that because, it, like, what is that? Like, I guess my question is, it's like, fuck. No, it's like, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say you're like most consumers today. We love to be educated. And so I'd say more consumers are asking that. More consumers should be asking that. How'd you get there? Right. Because it's like, it scares me. It's like when, and even like, I remember I've been ripped off in the past. And it's like, like, I remember when I thought LVLs were something that you couldn't, you couldn't buy at a store. And I remember I bought LVLs like through like a family friend and I got fucking like ripped off. It was my, like very early on, like almost 10 years ago. But it was like, I remember I felt like such a fucking idiot in a heel. You know, it was like, as a type A, it's really hard to let go of the reins. It's yeah. very hard to let somebody else drive the ship. And so if you are a type A and you're presented with a case that's cost plus, it's very informative, yep. very thorough. It allows you the comfort to be able to say, okay, I'm going to sit in the passenger seat. Like, and then you can focus your energy on other things in your life that matter because you've got the confidence that somebody else is like as neurotic as you are, unfortunately. <laughs> like, but that's, that's, that's the, the other point. It's like, I think that like, like attracts like. You yes, know? that's it. It's like you like building what, a home. What customer ever sits back and relaxes? Oh, you know, I got a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I think that that like I think that honestly, it's like building a home is a very personal thing. It's your most personal space, and you want to do it with somebody who is like who is similar to you. Because then, when you have that level of trust, and I really do believe that like the people's experience when they're building their home imprints on the home. It's like if you had a bad experience building your home, then in some way you're always going to have this kind of like negative. Bad juju. Yeah, you got like negative uh, this negative vibe about your house. And every time you look at like that particular aspect of that wall or that door, you remember that argument you had with that person. And it's like that experience is imprinted like on the space as well. Fucking railing. And I don't want to make. The, I don't want to make right, but I don't want to make. Like, I, I look at home building like it's a very mindful kind of like spiritual thing. I know that you're going to fucking rolls their eyes about that kind of shit, but it's like I you especially like because you're like. But 
I really do believe that like it's a very spiritual place. It's your home. It's a reflection of your routines. It's like it's everything. It's like it's so important to build your space because I mean maybe it's just my personality, but it's like I. It, anyways, yes. so if you do it with somebody who's very similar to you and your personality type, if Type B people are really leaning towards stipulated price because it's all about trust, and if they don't trust you and they don't have that gut kind of like alignment, then it's not going to work. That makes sense to me. And if like for people who are neurotic and can't let go of the reins, and I want to be proven that you know it, like show me the fucking the long division here, how you got to seven. Like then that also is good because it, what it does is that gives you the alignment and it gives you that like, you know, the person you're building your house with and you are in the same camp and that's what's important. So it's like almost like I've in like I've almost full shifted in this entire conversation where it, it matters less the method in which the service or value is exchanged as long as your heart is in the right place and you're qualified. But that's the fucking problem in this industry. Without the type A personality approach of doing cost plus, there is an open availability for people who need to trust and are done on that stipulated price for there to be fuckery and for people to get taken advantage of. Like up the street. Remember that remember that couple yeah, that yeah, up yeah. the street that basically hired a guy who was very charming to renovate their house and there was two schools, grade teachers, grade it's- one teachers, and they hired a guy to, to renovate their house, provided an estimate, I saw the estimate. It was relatively detailed. Anyways, the company was fake. His name was fake. He accepted $170,000, half demoed their house, Ew. and left. Yeah. It was gone. They couldn't find him. And they were fucked. Oh, that was but, on the news right now. Yeah. That was on the news. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. It's on, but, that was, but that's on the news all the time. Yeah. And that's the problem. Is like In this industry, you can go out and start your own general contracting company. You need no designation to do it. But I think it's harder for stipulated price companies that are starting because the thing is, as a stipulated price contractor like you have a track record like you said right like you've got stuff to show and people to talk to and testimonials from past clients yep. and things like that but if you're starting out in that like if I'm starting out and I'm showing you everything that I'm doing you're like okay I can get behind that you know what I mean I can understand and that's easier to sell when you're a young company I yep. think than as uh yeah okay how long have you been open uh six months oh, okay how many houses have you built uh one you know, but I did, I built a lot of decks, you know, like how do you, right. So, okay. Okay. So you think you're ready to take on this big build and you're like, yeah, you know? And so it's, it's a hard thing to sell. I I I feel like there's a lot of consumers looking for that opportunity, looking for that, you know, but this person's going to add value because I'm giving them an opportunity. So in return, I'm going to get a lot of value and that's a risk. Yeah. That's a risk. But we do the same thing even with trades. I mean, you and I have had that conversation working together. It's like, but like, like I would here, hold on me first. Sorry. You first. You know what? Conversely, I would say. Yes. (laughs) But not you. Conversely, I would say that there are probably a subset of clients, like of consumers, Mm -hmm. who are looking for that opportunity for the wrong reasons also. Because they're looking to take advantage of that. We had a client who basically at the end of the build was like, fuck you, I'm not paying you. Oh yeah, that was fun. And it was like, and they were happy with everything that yeah, was like done. Their house was in but the house they knew, they, they knew. Well, no, they'd done it before, and yeah. they knew that the cost of going to court, or the cost of whatever that, like fighting that, would still be substantially less than what was owing at the the on their property on what they had chosen, and so they were perfectly happy with the outcome and the quality and all that kind of thing. And so, when you have a young contractor or somebody who's inexperienced, the opportunity for to be taken advantage of is strong the other way as yep. well because they will inherently like they don't have the confidence to say no that's not my problem like no that's yeah. what you chose you know, that's an interesting no, point it's like as much as there's predatory 
like it's the, both sides. It's, yeah, it's, it's dual predatory sides. consumers and then yeah. the predatory uh, service providers. But that's just which, it's which up. you know it makes it crazy that anybody can just start this business. Fuck, it's it's harder yeah, to anybody. open a fucking hot dog stand than it is to become like a general contractor. Sure. Yeah, like there's like there's, there's more, more regulation. regulation around. Around. Yeah, for sure. Like you cannot for you to get a fucking hot dog stand on the street. There is far more regulation on doing that than there is to become a general contractor. That sucks. I'm a chef, dude. I'm a chef. My only official designation is cook. I'm a food, I have a food handler. That's why I'm here. So it's fine. Yeah, no, she's, it's she's, fine, everybody. Yeah, that's but, why I'm but, here. But no. that's <laughs> fucked up. Like that's fucked up. In my opinion, it's like it's like like I'm here because and I need to prove it day in and day out. When I talk to anybody like you in the industry, yeah. it's like. The only way I can kind of substantiate me even speaking on a podcast that I, you know, owning a construction company or two or whatever it is, it's like only because it's like every step of the way and I know it like inside and out and I eat like I, so you, I all you, the fucking time. Is you carry a red seal. I carry a red seal in general carpentry. But you know what? The really sad thing about my red seal is in this industry, it gives me almost zero leverage. Aside from being able to, you know, be proud of it, hang a diploma on the wall, sure. tell my customers, but like, and bill at the highest but, here. <laughs> but I don't need it. It yeah. does not get me ahead right. in any way. I don't need it to pull a permit. Right. So, like, what do I need it for? What do I need it for? Because yeah. I'd say more. Where's the advantage to you? I don't. I don't know what the actual split is, but I'd say there's more contractors without any sort of like Red Seal uh, project management degree than people who have put in this work. And so like, you know, what's my edge for having gone through this process, going to school, getting accredited by, you know, people who are trained? I have no edge. You know, in electrical, you have to get a red seal to be able to pull a permit. Yeah. In plumbing, you have to be a licensed plumber to do permitted work. HVAC, same thing. General general contractor, carpenters, framers, structural. I have zero edge. And so I'm, I'm actually like let down by you know, our country and the apprenticeship program when it comes to general carpenters, because like other than going to school and saying, yeah, I did it. whoop de doo You don't It doesn't it. give you any kind of advantage. No advantage. No. I wish like even at the least it'd be like, okay. So I guess you, a hiring advantage. Like if you were new out of school and like, and, or you, you know what I mean? Like you're, by? Who are you getting hired by? The, the reality is today. Or do people look at it and say like, you're just going to be an expensive option. Cause no, I can get people. No. Are, so, so in the past, you know, it has been a good way to hire people because people, you know, they're, to get a red seal, you need to join the apprenticeship program under someone who has it. So I have been able to leverage it for employees, but I'll be honest, like in the last few years, I, I haven't really seen people coming to the table, the young 20s, who are able to foresee this four or five year apprenticeship journey. It's like, you know, it's too big. It's, it's, it's too not long. an instant gratification. It's, it, it, yeah. It's it. So like, why would I, it's five not, years, that's like a fucking lifetime. How, how long will it take me? Well, it's, you know, 56 to 7,200 hours. Oh so, my God. I mean, to hear that, great, but like, do the math. What do you do a year? Eighteen hundred in a year. You are like four years to do this. Oh, you know, that's gonna take. Hairdressing is a you're, red seal. Oh, I, I just graduated university. I'm twenty six. Four years, thirty. Like I, I want to be licensed before that. I, I don't make the rules. Yeah. And, and and like when you're thirty and you get your red seal in general carpentry, what do you have? Nothing. Like yeah. it doesn't really do anything. I wish. I wish honestly, if like you could present it at the very least to say like, okay, you are, you have been formally taught how to nail a piece of structural wood to structural wood. So therefore, you don't have to use, let's say, a joist hanger in these scenarios because you have formal training on how to fasten a member to a member. I mean, like, that's one cool Even case. My sex tape. I'm dreaming. <laughs> or, or you know what would be really cool, as I've always said, is like, you shouldn't be able to do structural work or pull a structural permit or have work performed on a structural wood permit without someone who has the red seal. You know, it's interesting. It's like, I, I agree. 
And because I like, you know, you, you've worked on the projects with me that we have a fourplex that we've been working on for the last while. And it's a fucking structural goddamn nightmare. Right. And it's like I personally lost $30,000 on this project because I hired a framing team that I wasn't. I made a very bad decision and I'm openly want to talk about it because it's important as a general contractor in this particular circumstance i was working and i was trying to make the client happy i was hired on this project um after another general contractor was let go because his quality of work was poor and i wanted the project to move along quickly all of the framing carpenters that i am very familiar with who i know could fucking kill it weren't available but under pressure to keep the project moving forward i worked with somebody new they came vetted and like they were somebody that came referenced from another person that i trust and then i had a conversation with them but unfortunately it came to light that the quality of their work also was subpar and so i essentially ate the cost of their involvement um and now lost three weeks time and now i've got the framing team there and they're working through it and they're solving the issue but it's like fuck me it's like it would be goddamn great if we could have a framing carpentry designation or review. It's almost like you want, like in the medical field, I can imagine that there's like there's like a nurse practitioner who bridges the gap between a nurse and a doctor who mm -hmm. can prescribe medication. We need like a framing designation that bridges the gap between framers and an engineer. Because it's like an engineer's job in that particular circumstance was it's like if it's if it's existing and it's performing then it remains and they can't provide direction to make it mandatory for you to replace something that's still performing even if it's fucking marginal like if the floor system was never supposed to be a floor system but is now a floor system and it's not failing the engineer cannot tell you to replace it but though it was never designed to be a floor system and if you were to build it brand new it could never look like that but if it's there and it's there the way it is now then it's fine mm -hmm. which is fucking stupid because mm -hmm. it's like I was just on that fourth floor and I was chilling with Wayne and Wayne's like it's better than what it was and he started d jumping left and right and the the whole floor I could feel the floor moving. I was there He's the pissed. other day He's He's no I, I was it. there I love, the other this. day and he so the one of them was on the second floor he was shaking something Wayne's like stop doing that like the whole the whole like, house was stop moving. doing that but it's like, like, but, like, like well. but where does that put me as a general contractor my client is saying to me oh these engineers are costing so much money and like oh you want to do all this extra work but it's not mandatory i'm like it's not mandatory what do you mean it's not fucking mandatory if you had a fucking football team rent your fucking top floor unit and had a house party and they all started jumping and then the house fall down whose fault is it whose fault is it in that circumstance you know whose fault it would be be fucking my fault i love the accountability <laughs> Kills me. I love it. I love then the admission. Then you need to start saying no. I you no. Know, but that's what makes general contracting hard. It isn't about. It's about that. It's about. I can't tell you that my education in this industry is about finding those legal fucking cliffs at the end here. It's like, who, Ministry of Labor, Occupational Health and Safety, Liability and Construction. It's going to be the person who's the constructor from the Ministry of Labor's perspective. Nobody fucking teaches you how to be the constructor. Nobody teaches the consumer either what that is. Exactly. People are like, what's the constructor? I'm like, the one thing. It's literally a document issued by the government telling people how to be the person who's responsible for people on site. According to this, <laughs> with your architect and your permit, you are. Yeah. I know you have a, you know, you work finance or you have a restaurant, but like in this case, you're the constructor. Yes. And oh, so what, what does that mean for the consumer? Oh, so what does that mean? 
Well, that's the whole point. And that's the point of like the whole future of what I'm working on. And Christina doesn't want to hear me talk about this. And I'm not going to dive into it consider 43 minutes into this podcast. But what I'm saying is like the whole future of what I think One York is going to be is going to be the fact that that constructor designation is far too loosely applied and like just shouldered on people. Like, like I'll give you a fucking wicked, I mean, we've done a quick post about this before. It's like, I'm a general contractor. We're on working on your project and then it's your house, whatever, whatever, whatever. We're hired for 99% of the work. You hire a roofer because you have a buddy and you pay him independently. You're the constructor. You just took all the responsibility off of my shoulders. I have the occupational health and safety manual. I have all of those trade agreements. I've done all the come to work papers. I've made sure everyone has their general liability. The moment you hire somebody else on the same project at the same time, you as the homeowner hire one trade. I've hired all the rest, all the 30 other ones are mine. You hire one trade. I'm no longer legally the constructor you are because it's your fucking house. And I love that this is the goal for One York. And I think for the whole industry should be going this way. It's not just hiring Jim, Bob, general contractor, GC. It's, and it's not just hiring, you know, um, partner and partner, reputable building company to design, build, construction management. Yeah. This it, overseer. It's, it's this it. construction management company. And, and going back to like my, what my red seal should give, it should almost be like to pull a permit. You have the architect. You've got the BCIN stamp. Now the next step is who's going to manage the whole construction because you, there's 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 legal implications if someone gets hurt the building falls mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we didn't fix it because it didn't have to be fixed it was existing you know big house party thing falls people die so like who is the overarching construction manager and now separate from the general contractor right who is going to implement within the boundaries of the property the actual construction right because it's two different Two different skill sets. It's very different. And the consumer today loving to be educated, loving to, you know, go down rabbit holes on social media, YouTube, internet. That is, that I think is naturally where this industry is going, which is really cool. And there's a, there's a lot of great companies out there that have been doing this for decades. Construction management companies partnering with amazing build teams. And like all the high end, well, not all the high end, a lot of high end Muskoka luxury, $10 million plus cottages. If you go around and look at those, their construction management and then there's a there's a GC on there. Yeah. And like those customers are working their butts off in Toronto. They can't be in Muskoka overseeing this. Yeah. So basically they've made a decision to have a construction management company manage their hard-earned money and the schedule that affects the money. Mm-hmm. And then all the details with the miter cuts and the, the finishes and the floor installs, that's that's a GC company. The management the management company is overseeing, making sure that the, all of that is done, the expectations are met for the customer not to have to be there. But this, okay, look, so now we're now, um, you know, we had a, we got a little bit longer, maybe like five more minutes, but like I want to wrap it up kind of soon. But this is the, this is something that like I'm near and dear to my heart. Not everyone can afford quality management. And that's the fucking problem. Like we're fucking expensive. We're expensive because of the opportunity cost of our time. And the, the real issue is that like, we're only involved with projects on a pre-construction basis because we offer it one way. We do all the design, all the architectural design, all the engineering consultants, all of the communication with the city, all of the fucking interior design, cabinetry design, all of the shopping with our clients to make sure that the selections can then be folded in, all the construction sets, and then all the construction management. That's how we do it. It's 50 grand starting. That's it, right? And it's most effective for projects that are $500,000 or more based on the premise that it's 10% of the Expensive cost of construction. Expensive is, is relative. So then what the fuck do you... Yeah, like but, what is the cost of getting it wrong? Yes, but the, yes, but the what problem is... What is the value that that gives you? Well, the value, but that's not it. But the problem is it's like not everybody's doing a $500,000 renovation. 
what about everybody else? Like, what about the people who are doing two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars renovations? Who are they going to? You're going to a mom and pop's gym, Bob. Like, you're, like you're going to a smaller person who's not going to give you the information, but you can still get fucking killed on a three hundred thousand dollars job, both financially and physically. And so that's the missing servership. Like, we are missing something in our and the, the building department not fucking helping you. Here, I'll give you, I'll give the building department a really fast way. And I was going to tell this to what's his name, the the Brad Bradford, when I said to him, like, you want to make money in the city of Toronto? Let me tell you how. Every time you submit a building permit, force a quantity takeoff on market value of the materials for everything that's shown as proposed. And give that to somebody as the person who's receiving the building permit as a baseline to understand what the fucking cost is going to be so they don't get ripped off by assholes saying that they know what they're doing. That's super simple. It can be done immediately. You would have an outsourced team to fucking rip that out. Hire us. God damn it. We already have all the quantity takeoff software and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, it just makes me frustrated because it's like, if you have a lot of money, of course, then you can do construction management. You can have a general contractor. The thing is, the only way that we, as like the people who need to change this, because nobody else is fucking trying, what we're going to do it is by building processes, by making our more inputs, like create a function. So a lesser value of input creates a greater value of output. And that's what we've been doing for like, I don't know, the last four years, but it's financially difficult it's emotionally challenging and technically almost near impossible and it's like what we've done now it's a like partnered with you jeff and part of we're trying to find other people who can we can like kind of almost both of us work for less by splitting what we can get from our clients so that they have a better service but it's almost like we're doing it for us not for them it, doesn't it feel like that sometimes where it's like it's like it's harder to justify a higher price point and we're willing to work with less because we know it's better off for the client there's less no fucking way you are where you're better you not me. You're, I'm you're like, fuck you. My hours are valuable. Yeah. This is a lot of my mental fortitude to get through the day, through the week. When I'm not sleeping at night Ugh. because something has gone wrong or you don't understand something or like whatever that stressor is, like, no. Like, you can pay for my time. And like, you're a bleeding heart. And that's know, the that's difference. The and that like, that's where this is very different because Eric is like, the people, the people. And I'm like, you know what? People will find other people to build. But like, we are building something and there is an objective. And unfortunately, like, I'm not interested interested in 80 hour weeks for the duration of my lifetime. I'm not interested in going to bed or losing sleep because we're overstretching to work with people who don't really fit the parameters. Like at the end of the day, it is also a business. Yes, I know. And Christina kills me because it's like, I'm, I'm not a very, I mean, a business, a businessman, I, I do own the business, but it's like, I'm not a good businessman. Christina's a better businessman than I am. Give you guys credit. You guys are great. <laughs> but it, it, it fucking kills me. And it's like, the thing is, I love working with you, Jeff, because it's, you're equally passionate. When I hear you talking to your trades and like you're high-fiving people and you're creating that like team mentality, that's what this fucking industry needs. It's like, who, like someone who's going to lead us, someone who's going to be responsible, someone's going to be like, you know, like the quality of work. When I walked onto your first job site, and it was fucking organized and, and Taylor was there. And it's like, everyone's got this camaraderie. It's like, yeah, man, that's what we need in our industry. We got to bring that passion back. I think but Taylor need- was sick that day. But even Taylor on a sick day is better than most days. It was Paige. Taylor was, oh, sorry. Fuck. Was it Paige? Yeah. Oh, man. Also, women in construction industry. It's like, you got you got great women working for you. You know why he's great women? Women are great at construction. And as much as this is, like, a guy's industry for the most part, still, like, I have never seen, like, I see the most efficient multitasking, and I'm going to say this, and it can upset whoever it's going to, from women. Yeah. We are conditioned Agreed. from, like, children to tackle multiple things at once. Yeah, I'm yeah. good at one thing at a time. That's basically it. Yeah, that's and it. it's like your project manager, like they're females, like yeah. they're whatever. But like, 
they're on it. You they know what I mean? They're so on it. Men are series, women are parallel. Yeah. It's like you can like, hmm. complete tasks. Like hmm. for me, I'm like, I'm really good at series. Like I could build you a logic, like everything I draw. It's, it's like, One, two, it's, three, like, it's like, in this order, I will attack these tasks. Women are like, I will start these seven things. Give me all and then these I things, I'll get there eventually. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what the fuck? You, How did you do that? You'd love my morning calls with Taylor. It's like, I'll come in asking questions about the days. It's like, I'll start with one, and then she'll just basically answer that, and then, like, snowball and everything else. I'm like, I think we're good here. Yeah. I think we're good. I have nothing left to ask. Thank you. You've covered it all. Uh, What time's lunch? (laughs) Speaking of lunch, we're almost there. We have uh, two minutes left. What do we want to end this on? So we talked, we went through basically everything. Name of my sex tape. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk just the last. Let's like it's cast 10, light into 15, yo. Let's cast light into the future here, future of the industry. There will be more role specialization, more construction manager and general contractor. Jeff's gonna train an army of highly capable people yes, and doers, and, and we're sorry. gonna train I an want... army of highly capable planners. And, yes, and then we're gonna conquer the world. And Dude, this that's this that's is the... a great plan because consumers will continue to educate themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so the demand for GCs to operate at a higher capacity. Yeah, uh, to educate their consumers will be greater. It won't just be good enough to show them Instagram pictures saying this is what I've done in the past. Right. Well, how, I love how you got there, but how did you get there? You know, what's interesting is like I think that you know you made a point about how the trades and like you don't like having that designation is difficult to um, justify. It's like becoming a carpenter and getting your red seal and like you know well obviously it is because the market is showing us that there's this vacuum now that baby boomers are leaving we don't have as many people going to trades as we need to we have to make it more attractive somehow but it's like it's the mix of skill sets it's like it's like knowing how to build a house but then a little bit of business as well it's like you have the overlap of independent like different skill sets and because they're mixed together it makes them unique and therefore valuable right we got to figure out a way to attract more people to this. And I, I think that like, it's gotta be like a, you know, like a team mentality. It's like yep. a camaraderie. It's like that, you know, like that brotherhood or sisterhood. Because if it's, if you think about it, if, if we were doing the same thing and you were equally responsible for your own planning on your own projects and all that kind of shit, but like, that's not your strength. If we remove what is not necessarily your strength or what is like the most time consuming and then takes up hours from doing other things that are more profitable for you or advantageous to the bigger picture, then it's like, you shift buckets it's like for us that's a piece that you bring to the table for you it's a piece that we bring to the table and then it it helps to attract people who are in either camp mindset driven because you're creating an environment where people can learn well and right and in a positive way and like you're you're building out that that really substantial reputation of team and changing the industry on the trade side and therefore changing the undertone of what it feels like people are getting into because all people these younger guys are hearing or younger girls or whoever it's like how shitty construction is and how like how poorly it's led and how like all of the misconceptions like I, not I think, misconceptions I think what it is but, it's not selling the next generation on get a trade because it's a good business to have it's get in this business because it's a good business to be in so yes, trades are fun it. it's fun to work with your hands that, that's what drew me into it it's mm-hmm. really fun i love that i have a craft but ultimately what i've learned is like this is an amazing amazing industry it's a good business to be in i said something on a recent post that resonated with a lot of people got a lot of um, engagement and it was about you know i did a development deal where i built three houses mm-hmm. and like a lot of my content along the way is building three houses at the same time, building three houses, detailed, really tr- talking to the trades. But then I said, I built three houses. And another way to look at it is I just did an $8 million real estate deal. Mm-hmm. And the amount of engagement that came at me was like crazy because it's like the trade, the work, the the hard work, the sweat, the blood, the tears is one thing. But the business side, saying an $8 million deal, 
Mm-hmm. And it's like that got the level of engagement. So I think what I want to start doing is is selling to the next generation, join this business because it's an amazing business. And if you can teach them, if you can teach them how to do it right out of the gate, like they won't have any of our learning curves. They won't have any, like if we're teaching from a planning side and you're teaching from a teaching side, they're eliminating the learning curves. You're allowing this next generation of people to be more successful, to have more lucrative businesses without having the, you know, the mental taxation that we all went through in developing what we've developed. And like, you're just, you're giving them that advantage to come into it with you know, more profitability and less of the headache and because we're so, teaching them right. So hold on, let me just, can I recap that then? Sure. So our goal then is to like, like let's just say that, let's pat ourselves on the back and say that we're kind of on the cutting edge of like creating the next generation of people in this industry. Yes. Agreed. So then our job then is to make people get to this industry based on the fact that it's a financially feasible and wise decision for wealth and well-being to be get involved with the trades. So then it's our job to create the mechanisms for people to make money. Yeah. I've been fucking, after, on a next podcast, I have I have an idea that it's oh, been, no. been brewing for a very long time. It's in the, in the pages of these books and we've talked about it before, but I think I know. I think I know a way. We need to make it competitive. When, like, and, and here's the truth. I'm gonna say it really quick and then I have to jump off because I have to go pee, but here it is. Our bladder will could, be the dictator of if, when this like, ends. Imagine I said to somebody, imagine I said to the people when they're building a house that essentially that like, you wouldn't pay your general contractor until the end of the project. Oh, fuck. I can't get around this. I can't. Yeah. I can't I have like this that. conversation again. Right? Based on their performance. If we could somehow quantify or make create a mechanism where the trades were to participate in the profitability or their earnings based upon the execution or the, 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 of the project itself... If that was somehow linked, if if you aligned the values and if you aligned the goals of the client who are people who are investing in this with the people executing the work and somehow making those two things the, the same. The stakes are high. The stakes I are was high. Like, yeah, but people the, are in and like and the, and how do I don't you know, stop? How I don't do you know, mitigate I don't the risk? Know. What about the clients that I don't are have predatory? All the what about the ones that are I don't you know, know, I don't I'm not know, happy with that. I don't know how I'm to do it yet, you. but if you yeah. were if we were somehow uh, able to create that competition things. and create that alignment and create that joint accountability and like only in the if if the clients succeed, then the trades succeed and those two end things meet. Nothing else fuck create the mindset. Yes. That's that's all you need is that mindset. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the mindset. I should use mouse. Maybe it's because I gotta pee. Probably. That's 58 (laughs) minutes. On that note. Yeah. All right. That was episode 11. (laughs) 10? 11. We will see when it posts. Yes. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) She'll be like, it's actually episode 12, bro. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's it. Thanks, guys.